So before we get started, I want to tell you about the best thing that has happened to the podcasting world, and that is Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. You can go to anchor.fm slash start and join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. You can even find it on the App Store of any iPhone or Android. The app is called Anchor. That's A-N-C-H-O-R. good all right detox america podcast episode number 39 he remembered this time <laughs> um but yeah this uh this week we have my good friend and training partner mr roger ventura um met him recently started coming to the 6 a.m class with the early birds and uh he said that he'd seen a couple episodes and had some stuff that he feels like he had it's like a conversation material so Sweet. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Mr. Roger. All right. So my name is Roger Ventura. And really, I, I came to talk and I wanted to talk about um, recent events that unfolded in my life, you know, that I feel can help other people out suffering and going through uh, s- something similar mm-hmm. or especially when we come down to like reform in this specific area mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I'm a felon, you know, and that's, that's a big thing. And that's what I wanted to talk about was what led me to prison, what it was like in prison, the politics in prison, you know, coming out of prison and doing time and then reintegrating into society, regardless of the amount of time that you do, but being part of that system and then coming out and trying to rise above that and how difficult that is and how society really makes that hard. Like you have no idea how hard society makes it for you to get right back up on your feet. Yeah. And now you have this X, this mark on your back where you're labeled and you're this felon, you know, mm-hmm. you're this bad guy. Yeah, and they, and they kind of make it seem like you have no chance in redemption. It's like they keep that X on your back for the rest of your life. And I I understand what you're saying because my older brother uh, spent uh, quite some time in prison and experienced the same thing when he got out. It's it's like they didn't want to see him do better. It's like, you're... Go ahead. I'm sorry. I almost felt like the system itself is made that once you've stepped foot in that world, because it really is a, a whole nother world. It's like you're going into another dimension, you know, this, this weird dark place where the rules are completely different. Mm-hmm. And uh, once you're there coming out of that, man, like you said, it's just, 
it's real hard for you to try to do the right thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but what I really wanted to say was what led me to that dark place is a lot different than most people uh, getting led there by either, uh, you know, some hard drugs, gang violence or nothing like that. I mean, really, you know, I'm, I was a good kid, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I was in I, I was in Magnet Middle School, Magnet High School, uh, good education, good family, and uh, I, I didn't I didn't have that bad influence. I'm the oldest, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, <clears throat> I just bought a new car, wanted to speed, which is something that everybody does. Right. Speed, right? You're speeding in your car wasn't intoxicated or anything and had a car accident mm. didn't see the other car literally bought a, uh it was a 2016 dodge challenger i just bought it and i bought it cash mm. so you got to understand how happy yeah. i was yeah i wanted to see what it felt like you know what i mean yeah. i think everybody when Test you get a ride like that it's your dream car well, you, you see, the, take that baby out and see what it's got. Right? You see, the police do it too. You know, they'll throw on their lights just to get down the road a little faster. I've seen it, and yeah, then they turn it. Then they turn them off after they get past a certain light and just keep cruising. Like, so, reminds me. Oh yeah, no, sorry. I was just gonna say. So, so you uh, got a, a felony for the car wreck. Yeah, actually, man, it was it was probably the hardest thing I ever went through in my life was uh, the fact that, you know, to be able to take a life, you know, because I was charged with manslaughter. Yeah. You know, um, and it wasn't. Thank God it, it wasn't intoxicated manslaughter, because that would have been a whole nother story in Texas. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, um you know, it was manslaughter, it was an accident, and the negligence once was that I was speeding. So I decided I manned up and I pled guilty. You know, my main mission was just to apologize to the family and yeah. and try to make amends for, for that wrong and, and that I was at the mercy of, of whatever they wanted. And, you know, praise be to God, and uh, I was blessed with a, a short amount of time. And not a lot of people have that, uh, that chance, you know, to to do a short amount of time, you know, whether Did you it be have a, piece. you had a pretty clean record before this. Oh just yeah, completely clean. Yeah, yeah, I was an armored truck carrier for Brinks. Um, oh, so wow. I had a, I was a level three armed guard. I had Federal Reserve accounts. I'd been in the Federal Reserve dealing with. I mean, if you want to talk about seeing money, like large amounts of money, I seen pallets worth of money. Wow. I've, I've, we used to we used to weigh tons of coin, you mm-hmm. know, in the coin room to roll coins and stuff out, like part of the system to put currency in the banks was my job. Take this money to the banks, you know. So I, I consider myself part of the um, a trusted member of society, you know, yeah, what, what yeah. society would see as a, as a good person. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, I made a mistake and it was a hell of a mistake. Yeah. The worst mistake I had ever made in my life. And it costed a man his life. Um, the crazy thing is, is that this man's birthday 
was in March, right? Right before my birthday. The trial was on my birthday. Mm. And, you know, of course, the release date would be on my birthday. You know, so, but, um, so when I went in, uh, I think it was uh, right after the court processing and everything, the first thing you do is they take you to a transit, right? A transit unit. Mm hmm. And at the transit units, it's where it kind of begins the process of kind of taking your manhood or who you are as a man, you know, as far as the guards showing you who's boss and uh, stripping you of the essence of who you are, mm -hmm. which is your hair, your beard, you know, anything that you have that distinguishes you and makes you different from anybody else, right? So they shave your head, they shave your beard off. And of course, the only way I was able to manage to keep my beard was to, to get a religious pass, you know? So I went the Jewish route. <laughs> huh. You know, I, I told him I was a Jew. You know, I, I, I had heard from some buddies, hey, when you get in there, you want to keep your beard, get a religious beard pass, you know? Say you're Muslim or say you're a Jew or whatever the case. Yeah. And yeah. I wanted to go to the because I don't eat pork either. I'm uh, kind of uh, religious in that way. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> it helped a lot. You eat a lot of pork in prison, you know? Mm -hmm. The huh. units are like, because, uh, you know, the different units uh, provide different things for all the prisons. So everybody in there regardless of anything, you're working for the system. You know, like when they say you're a slave to the system, they, they mean that at five in the morning, you're getting up. I was working the fields for a while. That's what I was, uh, I was going to ask you about is like, you know, we, we've, uh, had some brief discussions about, you know, like the prison industrial complex and the, uh, way that, prison labor is essentially slave labor and you know getting sent to prison is essentially how the the system that just so happens to favor uh, a certain you know demographic that system is also it kept slavery alive by keeping the uh, for-profit prison system um, not only alive but thriving by you know we have we have it's, it's it's that system that you were referencing that keeps you down once you set foot in it you can't get out etc cetera, etc cetera. so you said that you were working the fields um what <laughs> right like picking cotton or yeah. what were you doing <laughs> so, it was probably probably one of the most embarrassing things i ever had to do i don't know if you guys uh you guys are right now are in waxahachie right mm-hmm so if, if you go down 45, there's that prison museum. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. I've never been inside of it, but I know yeah, what you're talking I've definitely about. seen it. If you've seen it down 45, across from it, there's a prison, right? Mm -hmm. And it's near Hunts. It's in Huntsville, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's the heart of what, what the heart of prison is Huntsville, you know? Uh, it's it's kind of like the HUD of, of it. And right there at the prison museum, I was uh, cutting down the, the cattails and and uh, working the ponds early in the morning, they would take us so there wouldn't be a lot of traffic and there wouldn't be people, so they wouldn't see us too. 
You know, we'd be out there chained to another man, literally in a chain gang. And, you know, old cowboy guards and their hats and their horses with shotguns uh, wow. telling us, all right, come on, ho, ho one, ho two. Because they had squads and they called us hoes. Just you know? straight talking trash? Oh, yeah. God oh, yeah, of course. What? Fuck. Yeah. Like, this is yeah. for real? And it's, de- it's like, yeah. very, like, demoralizing, very dehumanizing. You said, you said this was in Huntsville is where you were at? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, so I, I, re- I remember... Uh, and they get and, a kick out of that. That's disgusting. <laughs> so I remember going around and cutting the, the cattails, and, uh, you know, the thing is you're changed to another man. So you got to move in motion with that man, you know? If not, you're going to snag his chain. And, you know, you snag a motherfucker's chain that, that, that's been doing time. Like, you might not, you, you just got there. You're fresh. You know, you're a fish. Like, you, you don't know how to move with chains on, you know? Uh, guess what? You just snagged this motherfucker's chain who's been doing five, ten years. That's disrespectful. You know what I mean? Or he finds that offensive. Mm-hmm. And he's got a hoe in his hands. You know, something could pop off, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I remember being so angry at because I was watching the cars pass by down 45. Speeding. And I, Well, yeah. And I was looking to my left. And uh, I, the cars would look to the left and see all of us lined up. And I never imagined myself being in such a position in the lowest state that I could ever find myself in that place and i was like damn like and it and it came to my mind i'm i am a slave like i'm a literal slave right now i can't do shit about this there's nothing i can do i can't fight i can't run away i can't do anything so i kept hitting the like i kept working hard like i'm talking about hitting the dirt so hard i was yanking giant pieces of mud like like slab out the dirt Mm -hmm. because i'm mad because i couldn't do anything yeah. You know? And and then it, it was this notion I felt like God was with me, my higher power, and I felt like it brought me peace in one second and it was like, Hey, calm down. You're short. You're a short time. You know? Relax. Do your time. Have peace. Your wife is waiting on you when you get home. Mm-hmm. You know? Your family's waiting for you. You fucked up, but you're a good person. And it was that notion I would always tell myself. You're a good person. You fucked up, but you're a good person. You know, you made a mistake. So I just kept, I kept working, man. I didn't complain, and I always said yes, sir, no, sir. You know, I was respectful to all the guards. Eventually, one of the guards came up to me and said, "Hey, come here, Roger. I want to talk to you." His name was Officer Little. I still remember him. And. uh he said, hey, you're not like these other guys. You know what I mean? He said, uh, "He said, are you here on some fucked up shit, Roger? You here for fucking kids or some shit? Or are you here for, for, uh, for, for raping somebody? I said, no, sir, I'm not. You know, I was speeding and I had a car accident and I hurt somebody and they died. That's why I'm here. And uh, I've never been in any trouble in my life. I used to be a guard just like you. And then he said... I know you're not here on some fucked up shit. I looked you up. I, I already know. He hmm. said, I'm going to get you a job in commissary. 
working somewhere else so that way uh, you can be down in the AC and you don't have to be out here in those fields, you know? And I was like, damn, that's awesome. I said, I appreciate it, Little, because I never missed work. Mm -hmm. You know, there'll be times where people, honestly, if you don't want to show up to work, you don't have to, but you get disciplinary cases. And the more disciplinary cases you get, they cut your commissary, which is survival. You don't make store, that is tough in prison. If you don't have family support to send you store, you're going to be washing people's clothes. You're going to be making people's bunks. People have full businesses in prison. They're washing, they're washing clothes. They're, they're, they're doing people's shoes. They're making meals. I mean, anything you can think of, people are starting their own businesses, uh, uh, room service businesses what? where they'll come to your room and clean your bunk. You got somebody come in and do your bunk. Hey, you want me to do your bunk for you for a couple soups, bro? Like, you know, Shit. that ramen is, yeah, ramen is currency, man. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's money in prison, bro. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's, it's, it really is a whole nother world because when you're in there, the guards expect you to do something, right? They expect you to follow the rules. And as a good person in society, you say, yeah, I can follow the rules. That's no problem. He tells me to stop. I'll stop. But then you've got somebody who's involved in gangs, who's got all his homies, where it's all about race, mm -hmm. you know? Telling you, hey, you better not do that shit. Like, what do you do? What do you do in those situations when you're put in those positions? Man, and I tell you, man, I swear to you that it's only by the grace of God that I'm here. That's one of the big reasons when I told Isaiah, I was like, man, I'd like to go and talk about it. Mm -hmm. Because, man, like, really, you don't really hear a lot about that side. Right. You know? And and see, I have, uh, you know, I have a few friends who've uh, done some time and what I found interesting about your proposal was that never in my life have I met somebody who's been to prison that wants to like talk about it for everybody to hear. You know what I mean? Like it's always just kind of been this, like this, um, kind of touchy subject. You know, you, you never ask why somebody was in, you never ask, you know, what it was like in there. You know what I mean? Like just, just courtesy, uh, as far as I understand it uh, in these conversations has always been just like, just don't talk about it. And if they volunteer information, they volunteer information and that's cool. And that's on them, but don't, you know, don't press somebody who's been in that situation uh, for information that they're like uncomfortable sharing. But you, you came right up to me after class and was just like, Hey, I'd like to talk about prison, man. And I was just like, let's yeah. do it man let's go yeah, for sure so it it really uh it it was uh it was an interesting it was a it was an offer i couldn't refuse <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad uh i'm glad you you felt inspired to uh share some knowledge with us do you today. do you personally have any um you know spending time in prison coming out and acclimating to society do you uh did you form any opinions or like strong desire to see uh, reform in the prison system in America? Yeah, of course. I, I really thought, well, this is what I'll say. 
I'll say, when I say that by the grace of God, I really felt it was really God guiding everything that took place in that in that place, in that hellhole. I swear to you, there's no way. Good karma, whatever it may be, you know, my past life, I don't know. But what I'm saying is, after I had worked in the fields for a while, and I, I, I remember calling, my hands were all blistered up. I'm talking about raw from from working from in the, fields from the hoe yeah yeah and 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 i had to go to work the next day and i had never taken a day off and i remember i called because you got to be on the phone but see to get on the phone too there's rules for that shit too you know mexicans got their phone and if you ain't banging then you got to talk to the top mexican you're not going to be able to just go talk to him. You got to know somebody to try to get to him to talk to him because you're not banging, you know, mm -hmm. and you got to stick with your race. So a black dude is never going to use the Mexican phone. You know, the white dude uses the Mexican phone. The whites and the Mexicans kind of have like a uh, uh, alliance. Sort of, right. They're, they're kind of they're not friends, but they're not enemies either. They'll work with each other a little better than they do with the blacks and the blacks train. Uh, when it comes to prison, you know, you have all these games like, like bloods and crips in prison. You're just black. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I feel you. They still section each other off. Oh, I'm a blood. I'm a crip. But when it comes down to it and it's an issue, bloods and crips will get together. It's a black thing, you know? When, when when it's an issue, whites will get together. It's a white thing, you know? What, uh, so you got woods. Oh, sorry. No, you keep going. Yeah, you have the, the, the woods. The pecker woods, they got, you know, the, the woody, wet peck, woody woodpecker on their arms usually. Stuff like that. And you'll see them hanging out in what they call the wood pile. You know? That's when you see a whole bunch of white boys. They're called the wood pile. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's just, and you'll learn all this prison lingo. I remember the first time I was looking for my bunk, and they give you this measly ticket after undressing you. When you come in, you're bald, no beard. I mean, somebody just literally looked at your manhood, made you bend down and cough, made you lift your sack and then made you stick those same hands in your mouth because they want to look around. They do that on purpose too, you know? Oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> you know, like no. that, it's, it, it's, fucking, it's fucking degrading, bro. It's yeah. horrible, yeah. you know? Um, I don't wish that shit on my worst enemy. Prison mm -hmm. is horrible, you know? But, uh, and then I'm looking for my bunk and then your race comes up to you. That's the first thing that happens. Hey, what's up, man? What's your name? Where, where, where are you from? You know? Like, are you Rasa or what? You're Rasa? Like, yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a homie, bro. Yeah, I'm from Dallas, you know? You're like, oh, you're from Dallas? That's a homie's from Dallas. I'm from the H, you know, from Houston. You know, uh, uh, it's like, you bang or what? Like, nah, nah, I don't bang. I don't bang, man. He's like, you doing some time or what? What you here for? Like, the thing that they tell you that nobody asks about prison, in prison, they ask. They ask because they want to know what you're there for. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, what it kind of helps them gauge, you know, whether or not you're a threat or if you, 
I, I feel like it's a way that they're going to gauge, you know, what they can get out of you or, or where you stand as a person, really. Right. So when, when I went inside, I was about 240, 240 pounds. I was really overweight. Um, but, but I was a heavy set Latino, you know, so they seen a, a bigger Latino. They, they immediately come and talk. I told them, hey, I'm there for manslaughter. I accidentally, you know, killed someone. And uh, he goes, oh, you killed someone. He goes, I, I said, yeah, man, it was an accident. Don't worry. Yeah, that's what they all say, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, you know, in, in that world, the mentality is just so different, man. Everybody's got that fuck-up mindset, bro. Everybody's yeah. in it for themselves. Everybody's in it. Like, no one's your friend. No one's just there because they want to kick it to you. The dude who first walks up to you is the one you don't fucking trust, you know? Like and but see when you're when you're a fish there you don't know these things you know what I mean and I remember this old school cat from New York he was a Puerto Rican right and uh, he said hey uh, come here he said you want to stay out of trouble I said yeah man I really want to stay out the way he said uh pay attention to the rules the politics in here you know find out. Stick with your people, he said, and work out. Exercise, bro. You know? Get your fat ass in gear and lose some weight. You know? Yeah. So I said, so I said, all right. So I started doing burpees. So I'm there doing burpees in the dorm. It's like a, think of a giant rectangle. And along the walls of the rectangle, there's about 50 bunks. Mm. Right? And on top of it, you got a top bunk, a bottom bunk, top bunk, bottom bunk, a wall, top bunk, bottom bunk, top bunk, bottom bunk. So there's sections of four and a wall in between, right? Mm -hmm. So the guy at the bottom bunk, you call him your celly because you share the bunk with him. You share a bunk with him. Bottom bunks are for most people who are disabled, got problems and shit like that. Would they ever would they ever bunk people up uh, like a Mexican with a black guy? And create any uh, no. problems that way? No. Uh, I was actually bunked with a, with a with a black dude, you know, for a little while. But he was an old school cat. He had been locked up and he had done some time before, so he know he knew the politics, you know. So he already knew the game, and it's really just about learning that game that they play in prison, you know. Learning that game and staying away from it, mm -hmm. you know. So, and then it's hard, but you're gonna have to try to make some form of uh, alliance with people. You're gonna have to find like-minded people. You gotta understand, there's people, there's good people sometimes, you know. In in that darkness, sometimes it's a lot harder to see the light, but there is some light in there, you know. Mm -hmm. And it was with that Puerto Rican dude who just said, you know, hey, I'm just tired of prison. I'm here because I violated parole. I was I, I, I had been on parole for like forever and I was just about to get off. And uh, I was at a, a, a wedding party and I, I fucked up and they got me driving, uh, driving under uh, driving drunk. Uh, and, you know, I wasn't fucked up, but I was over the limit, you know, and now I'm back here, bro. Now I got to finish my sentence. 
So I, for people like that who've been flying straight, can you imagine being on parole for like five years? Flying straight, job, you're taking care of your family, doing everything you got to do, and then the next thing you know, you make one mistake, you know? Mm-hmm. And you got to finish you got to finish the rest of your time. Mm. Was Those it, five years meant shit. Was there a lot of uh, nonviolent offenders in there that you came across, and and yeah. unfortunately they had to join gangs and become violent once they get in. So what I seen was uh there is a lot of non nonviolent offenders. I see a lot of uh, people who are there for either using drugs and i don't know what it is about about methamphetamines man Mm -hmm. but that that meth is from satan dog like i don't know makes you do dumb shit i mean that that is from what i've uh experienced you know i mean from friends and family who've been uh a part of that world it basically you nothing else means shit to you like, if you have kids, your kids no longer mean shit to you. What, what means shit is the next time you can get high. And so you, the people on methamphetamines will do anything, like, by any means necessary to get another another fix. And it's just all morality seems to go out the window. Um, and so you, it was, a lot of uh, meth addicts were in there? A lot of, a lot of people with meth. Meth is a big issue. I, everybody I talked to had something to do with meth, man. You know what I mean? That is some fucking wicked sorcery right there. And and I think, uh, you know, out here in the real world with the people who are getting attached to that kind of substance and just throwing their lives away for, uh, for a high, um, you really got to, you know, ask yourself, what is it that they're running from? Why do they, why are they, why are they numbing themselves? With this substance, why is it? Why are they going to throw away their family, the love of their family, uh, friends? And so, I I see a lot of the the issues with uh, you know why our prisons are so packed comes down to the mental health crisis in this nation, and that we have neglected mental health in this nation for so long. I think it's time we start paying attention to that, uh, or the prison industrial complex is too strong and that's what they want to do is neglect mental health you know continue the war on drugs so that we can continue to pack these prisons get some free labor out of them uh, it's that's that's kind of my outside opinion about what's going on and and why nonviolent offenders are in there or drug addicts get to a point where uh they're willing to throw it all away is because of a crisis in mental health. Well, one of the things that I noticed, and it kind of plays into what you were saying about the system just being so fucked up. But a lot of times, people who who are there for you know probably uh, selling marijuana, all nonviolent, don't don't have anything violent on their record, you know. They've just been selling marijuana, moving marijuana from state to state or something like that. I don't know, you know, whatever. But I've noticed that they'll let off a child molester, you know, and he'll make parole 
faster than a person who 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 was trafficking marijuana and you know is taking classes probably trying to do better for some weird reason i don't know what it is about the system letting these people out but the people who commit stuff like like rape and and make parole i'm like man that's kind of crazy mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it's it's kind of the other way around mm-hmm. the guy you should be reforming is 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 the is the dude you want to keep in there and and the guy that's really fucked up it's got some you know fucked up things he's doing you know like you 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 don't keep them you know um <clears throat> but going back to 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 what took place i never got to to have my first job working commissary i because i had signed up for a program right and it's the best program in the nation right in prison it's the only program of its kind in prison and it takes the best of the best in texas and it gives you it gives them test educational exams and everything hmm. and, and it selects these this few handful of groups and sends them to a special private unit to focus on a prison entrepreneurship program the program was called PEP and one day somebody just they hit my bunk at like 2 3 in the morning and said hey let's go number number 52 pack your shit you know you're on chain i said i'm on chain i was like damn all the homies that i had been chilling with like oh bro you're leaving spoke up like <laughs> like they're going to miss you or something it's weird but like because of who i was i was always so chill with everybody you know it's 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 strange but the politics of like race where whites don't really fuck with blacks and mexicans don't fuck with you know blacks and whites and this this and that the other way around that race politics in prison i didn't play into it but but at the same time you still have to play by the rules a little bit or you'll create racial tension and if you create racial tension shit goes south bad like really fast one thing i was going to really ask fast. um while we're on that topic um i'm kind of curious you know you said uh that everybody kind of sticks to their race but you let's see what state were you in I'm in I was in Texas I was Texas? here I was in TDCJ okay. yeah so what kind of like racial diversity and representation did you kind of see in there like did it like like yeah just just how how diverse of a of a uh ethnic like if, background. if I had to say like okay so like if I had to give a percentage to like what race sure, yeah. or ethnicity people were I would say that the majority of the prison the majority of the prison was about 70% black and latino wow and and probably and this is in from the from the three I was at three units so from Huntsville the transfer unit from uh Venus Texas that I was at Sanders Estes unit the private unit and from uh Vito unit 
uh, they call it Club Vito, by the way. All these all these prisons got names, by the way, too. There's one they call Chocolate City because if you end up there, there's nothing but black people. You know, what? there's one they call, yeah, they call it Chocolate City. Uh, Vito Unit, they call it Club Vito because it's on and popping. You know, like it's, like it's a war unit. It's, they, they call it a Club Vito because it's, it's considered a gladiator unit. So, uh, yeah, I know. So gladiator. These, these terms, gladiator units are units where the second you show up, you're going to fight. Like, this is, it's not a unit. It's not a unit where you're gonna you're gonna play you're gonna you're gonna be able to coast and you're gonna you're gonna not you don't want to be down type stuff. You want to read the Bible? Fuck that. That is not gonna fly. Like you're gonna play by these politics. You're gonna stick with your race, and if you don't like it, we're gonna fuck you up every day. Like you're gonna get fucked over every day. That's called the gladiator unit. And a lot of times, it's a lot of youngsters. You know, uh, and just a couple of OGs, you know, so that that call the shots, you know, um, it, it was at a transfer unit where I've seen my first person get killed, you know. So, I mean, I said that the most blood I ever seen in my life, you know, uh, I get shanked uh, like that. I mean, I, that's the the the. The, the strange, uh, weird, polluted forms of homosexuality uh, that you see in prison is 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 strange, man. Mm-hmm. Like, like I, I get it. It's it's commonplace in America nowadays. I'm a bit more conservative when it comes down more to that because of my religious background, you know. But um, in prison, it's like. To the nth degree, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Like it's a lot more intense. Like when you're walking down the the the, you don't want to <sighs> look in people's cell because, you know, somebody might be fucking somebody else and you don't want to look. And then he looks at you and he's gonna say, "Hey, you want some or what?" Like so, when you walk down the run, you don't look in people's cells, mm-hmm. you know, and you'll pass by sometimes. You and, can't hear it. Huh? And you can hear it, right? You walk by and you can hear it. Yeah, I've heard grown men crying, man. Yeah. Grown men crying at night. You know, like you, you, you're, you're in night and you hear men crying, and you get used to noise. You get used to people screaming at for each other across the uh, across the block. You learn to sign. You know, so like you learn to speak with your your hands. A B, C, D, E, F, uh, G. You, you learn to speak with your hands so you can tell your homeboys have conversation from across the way. You know? Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, a, it's real intricate. I'd say, oh, what you were asking about the percentages, I think about tw- 20, 25% white, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's not every every now and then you see blue collar crime, like some hacker guy who was like the shit at fucking getting credit cards or something like that and just fucking had this mass credit card scheme thing he was doing or Mm -hmm. or or 
some nerd doing some shit, you know. But more than anything, it's everybody as far as as far as me, me asking around and, and, and knowing these these people, meth meth, man. Yeah. In the in in, in the white community. So you didn't five percent Oh, sorry. Five percent I would say is other. Okay. Like you rarely Asians. You don't see a lot of Asians or Polynesians or or um, East Indians or Arabs or anything like that. And when you do, they're in that other group. So Polynesians and Asians actually roll with the natives. You get what I'm saying? I see. Yeah, it's strange like that, but that's how it is. So like native Indians kind of rock to themselves too, but they sometimes accept these Polynesians and Asians, these Asiatics. You know, um, whether it be Vietnamese or whatever. A lot of Latinos accept a lot of Asians, too. It's strange. It's kind of weird. They adopt these Asians to come into their group. Um, but whites stick with whites, and they fuck the Mexicans a little bit. But there's these rules. You know, like, if I was black and you were Latino or white, we couldn't eat together at the same table. You know, if we're in the, in the rec room, because like I said, it's a rectangle. And there's two TVs on top, right? On on the front, let's say on the front of the rectangle, right? And there's, uh, in the middle, there's like these hard steel benches. So you can watch TV. And uh, it's there where you, uh, you know, there's benches for the whites, benches for the Mexicans, benches for the blacks, you know, um... And it was on those benches where I seen, like I said, the first story, somebody getting killed, somebody getting stabbed, stabbed up, a fight to the death. And you're so desensitized to fights because you see them almost every day that they just become so common. Like you just I was reading a book while I was watching this man get stabbed. Like it really desensitizes you to a lot of that. You know, I have a I have a quick little sidebar here. Okay, so. I gotta ask what the quality of the combat was. Uh, so you know, you 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 train with me at the gym. You've seen what yeah. some what some skills yeah. can do to to a dude. Oh, you got a you got a bruise there. Yeah, I got a war scar <laughs> for training this month. <laughs> well, uh, if you two, okay. So so two main questions. One. Just considering what you know now, um, do you think that like were there were there a lot of like good fighters in there, or were there mainly just like you know no. flinging no, no, the arms? No. Like, there's probably some real boxers. Because I, right? I I will say this: there's there's uh, two people that really stand out to me, and I'm not going to name their names, but uh, this one guy that I know. Um, He's actually one of the guys that kind of talked me into uh, getting involved with jujitsu. Um, he was a really good boxer, uh, but he learned to box in prison. And I watched him box like people who know how to box and fuck them up. Like this dude was like yeah. my size, like super skinny, a little bit taller than me, and um, yeah. like he he showed me he showed me some hands. And like then I have this other friend who was like 
fucking harmless. Like, he couldn't hurt somebody if he tried. He'd hurt himself trying to hurt people. You know what I mean? And so, like, I, I, yeah. I imagine that there's some kind of diversity there, but for the most part, just, I guess, from where you were at, would you say that a lot of people were just fighting just to fight, or a lot of pe- there were, some pe- were there some people who were, like, they knew how to fight and knew that most other people didn't? Like, how, how, was, the, how was the combat? Well, the way that works is, like, each gang or each 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 race kind of has their leader, and then that leader has their enforcer. Mm. And that enforcer has to go and enforce the politics that take place, mm-hmm. right? So let's just say uh, Mexicans got drugs inside, right? And they're dealing dope in the prison or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the big things that they do in there is that synthetic marijuana because it doesn't come out in the P-test. Mm-hmm. It's called Tunchi in there, right? So they're smoking Tunchi. Now, um, they're all stuck. I don't know. I've, I've seen – I got some crazy stories with that stuff too. I, I've got a, I got a couple of stories. <laughs> that shit is stupid. <laughs> yeah, stupid. absolutely worst thing to ever be invented. But go on. So these enforcers enforce it. These are the guys that are – probably like i say gladiators yeah you know they've been fighting fighting is what they do they've done time they've probably been there this their second third time around they they've been they've been banging for a while and enforcing and and dealing with fights and controlling the population of all of these people who are who are i'm talking about at the bottom of the barrel of society they control that you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So in order to be able to control that chaos, you got to have a firm man, you know? So these guys can fight. I done seen a couple black dudes who were golden gloves, mm-hmm. who, who were good boxers. I mean, there's a system of boxing that was developed from prison. I think it's called 18 blocks or something like that. Uh, the, the 12 block, 18, 12, 20 blocks or something like that. But it was made to fight in a, in a, in a cell. Mm-hmm. In a, in a in a tight in a tight area, and yeah. that's how it was developed. It was a boxing style from a boxer that he developed from going to prison. So I mean, I've and I've actually seen that style too. People boxing in that style, you know, it's like a real tight corner hit, boom, mm-hmm. real quick, quick. And I don't know if you've seen me whenever I was boxing for Lee. Little bit, little bit. So, like you can see how Philippe lacks the training in in, in yeah. stand up. Yeah. But with basic knowledge of prison fighting, mm-hmm. prison just boxing from prison, I could I was able to get four or five hits in mm-hmm. and block almost everything he, he threw. Mm-hmm. So as far as stand up game goes, you're gonna learn to box in yeah, prison. Yeah, I, I feel that. So I definitely advocate, you know, any like Anybody who's pursuing martial arts for self-defense to definitely have a firm base in striking because just managing the distance in that way is definitely super important um, for for your personal safety because, you know, without rules and on hard surfaces, you know what I mean? Like, uh, there are some forms of grappling that aren't the most ideal option, you know what I mean? So having a a good good sense of, of the space and how to strike in the space that's you know i I definitely encourage that um but it sounds like based on on what you're saying it sounds like uh it'd be maybe more ideal to learn 
and be proficient in some kind of striking than grappling. Is that is that kind of? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, did you see any grappling? Me, that's what I was going to ask. Have, did you see any grappling in prison? Um, if if it's if it's a discipline, like, and what what a what a discipline is is like whenever somebody says, "Hey, look, uh, this white dude stole something from me." Um, uh, the Mexican goes to his leader. The leader goes and talks to the white dude and says, "Look, man, this dude stole something from him. We need to take care of this. If it is found." And he's like, well, I'm not going to charge one of my people in my race over something that that took place without having evidence, you know, because mm-hmm. he's our race, you know. So he goes and he tries to find out and investigates and they do an investigation. Your race does the investigation. If it's found to be true, your race will beat you up, mm-hmm. not the Mexicans, your own race. So in other words, they won't give the other races the satisfaction the satisfaction of beating up their own you Mm -hmm. get what i'm saying that's how it is that's how it is in prison it's all about pride it's all about power so with with fighting for sure i would say that i would much rather know a lot more striking like honestly more like something like muay thai where you can control a vast area and use Mm -hmm. every part of your body to mm-hmm. hit multiple opponents at one time, you know, and 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 try to get those knockouts and 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 or hit hard at least to where you you know what you're doing and you're able to use a lot of your body. Yeah, you know. Would you yeah. say that somebody uh, who maybe skilled in jujitsu uh, was in prison and they were able to get somebody on the ground, take their back in that situation? Do you think they would probably just end up getting jumped if they were trying to control it? If you had a one-on-one fight, no one is going to jump into a one-on-one fight. As a matter of fact, that is one of the biggest no-nos you can do in prison. Is if a motherfucker calls you out, you have to fight. And if you do not fight, you're going to be a bitch in prison. People are going to start punking you. They're going to take your shit. They're going to treat you like crap. When you're on the phone, they're going to tell you, get off, or I'm going to whoop your ass. Like, that's just how it goes. You are weak now. So now that you've been emasculated, you, you'll never, unless you change to another unit, and sometimes that flies with you. I don't even know how they communicate, bro. It was with the phones or whatever. But the whole point is, these guys, whenever that happens, I think grappling on one-on-one, yeah, because no one can step in. No one can stop the fight because if someone comes in, your race will jump in for you. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? So there really is no jumping. If they re- in prison, I don't know. There is an honor, a code, mm-hmm. unwritten code, unwritten honor. You don't jump in, and if you jump in, you're you're gonna start something and make something bigger. It's gonna be like a, a brawl. Yeah. Yeah, you could start a war doing something like that. You know, so, um, so unless can, if it's, it, I was going to say, can we get into, uh, we're, you know, getting short on time. Can we get more into, uh, getting out of prison and, and acclimating and, and maybe some words of wisdom that you could drop on some people who, uh, maybe have been in your situation and, uh, have been struggling with that acclimation. So. I think 
the biggest thing is trying to trying to stay positive. It's really hard, but especially for people who don't have a support system, people in halfway houses, I can't imagine how hard it is. I'm blessed to have my family, the support of my family, my loved ones, my wife, everybody here supporting me to prop me up financially and in every which way to help me do what I need to do to better myself. You know, in prison, I was able to get a certificate in entrepreneurship from Baylor University. You know, I went to school the whole time. I focused in going to church. I mean, and doing, I mean, there's tons of religious services. You can go to neo-pagan. You can go to whatever you want. You know, there's Wiccan services. I mean, anything you can imagine, they actually respect religion. I would say get involved in faith, whatever it may be, if you're locked up. if, if and, and, and even when you get out, you need that. You know, I don't know what it is about humanity, but when all else fails, we always want to gravitate towards some sort of higher power, you know, and uh, for help. And it, it's what gives us hope. I think that's a big thing. Keep yourself uh, grounded with a, a small amount of friends, no more than you can count on your hand, you know, Um do something like I started doing the jujitsu for this reason. I wanted to stay away from any negativity. I don't have mm -hmm. social media, you know. Um, I not only do I do jujitsu, I'm, I'm in college right now. I got a 4.0. I'm doing great trying to do this business administration, you know, to keep going with the entrepreneurship certificate from Baylor. Mm -hmm. Like, and I'm, I'm proud of all these accomplishments, even while I was there. Where you know, do you try to better oh. myself? Sorry, yeah. No, I was just going to ask, where are you, um, do you have like a like a roadmap, like a plan as far as, a, a, maybe not a destination, but certain milestones that you want to reach with that uh, education? Like, do you already know what you're trying to do, or are you just trying to, you know, take whatever you can and, and run with it as, as far as it'll take you? Especially being an education that you, you got in the prison system. Or at least that started well, with it. The, the beautiful thing is that even though I got it in prison, the certificate itself is from Baylor. So it has Baylor University's name. So that's beautiful because mm -hmm. it takes away that negative stigma of you got this while you were locked up. You know right, what I mean? Right. And it's hard because even people who go to college in prison sometimes get their degrees from and they know that those schools are from people from prison. They do the backgrounds and they see, we got this in prison, you know? And to strip that person of all their hard work of trying to educate themselves in hell, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? In hell, in such a dark place is like, it's so demoralized. But I think you have to stay positive. You got to get away from all the negativity. You got to have faith and you have to have some form of support system in place family and friends, you have to. If not, you're doomed to fail. It, it, it's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. Like there is there is no really way around it. Like the, the best thing you can do is like now realizing me, I think it's made me a lot stronger, you know, than what I was and who I was before. And it changed was, my mentality. And so you were you able to create a kind of a roadmap for yourself while you're in prison? Well, I mean, we had classes on developing 
we had a class called Roadmap to Success. Uh, we had classes like that that PEP provided, you know. But it was just because of that program. I was blessed to be a part of that. If not, I would have been just in the system trying to make it. And you are you, and now that you're out, are you are you actively using you know what you learned and um, you know creating well, the life you want now? That's the hardest part. The hardest part is the fact that even with a good resume and making something look good, going to school and getting good grades, getting a job has been hard. You know, I'm still unemployed. I'm a full-time student, which helps, you know, because I'm getting financial aid. I'm working hard. I'm educating myself. But, but hey, getting a job has been hard. Mm-hmm. You know, um, people see that you're a felon, and I have tons of rejection letters, you know, where I'll go to the interview and I'll tell them my story. I'll, I'll be upfront. I never lie. I just tell them the truth. This is what happened. I did time, but I've been doing great. This is, I'm in school. This is my resume. Wow. It looks great. It seems I, I, I'd hire you, but it's all corporate. And when it goes to corporate, they see that. And then it's an automatic note, mm-hmm. you know, and then they send you the paperwork in the mail. So I've gotten tons of rejection letters. Were you trying to get a job in your uh, same field or just really anything I, that'll take you? I would love to do business. But I feel like what's going to end up happening is eventually I, I'm going to try to get into a trade. You know, oh, sorry, I meant uh, what you were trying to what you were doing before you went to prison, the security stuff, like the brinks. Yeah, or were you trying I to could... get anything in a similar like security or guard or, or monitoring an area? You know, anything like that, or was that um... in order to be in order to be a guard, you have to be licensed by the state of Texas, whether armed or unarmed. Level two is unarmed. And I was level three, which was armed. I could never carry a gun anymore because I'm a felon. Yeah. Okay. So since I can't carry a firearm, I could never do the job that I once did. And uh, not only that, to be an unarmed guard, you have to get licensed by the state and they don't license felons. Mm -hmm. So I could never go back into security. So that's why I chose business. Probably one day I could, like I said, go into a trade and start my own business with the knowledge of building the infrastructure of a business, you know, and then be my own boss and then possibly help others who've been through hell themselves who are trying to better themselves and rehabilitate themselves. And I, I guess that's why I, I'm training. That's why I work out so hard. I'm always at the gym. I'm always trying to do something because I want to be the best now. I have this drive and this hunger, you know, uh, to be a better man, you know, and to, 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 to rise above, you know. It's just hard when society says no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, one thing that I've kind of started to enjoy asking people uh, who are involved with stuff is – you know, obviously there's a lot of uh, Hollywood and <laughs> popular media uh, that people can consume to give them some kind of idea. This is your new thing, huh? Uh, <laughs> of, what, uh, of what, you know, a certain subject might be like. So, you know, just just seeing, you know, I'm, do you have Netflix and, and all that stuff? Like, I know you say you don't have social yeah. media, but... I, okay, so I wasn't I wasn't sure where the line was there. You still watch movies, right? <laughs> but so oh, you, yeah, see, you see, you see, you um, see, 
the way that prisoners and prisons and um, you know crime in general is painted uh, in certain uh, areas, I guess you could say certain you know like some some uh, movies are like you know pro cops. Some movies are like, hey, let's take a real a real good look at what these prisons are doing or what these cops are doing. You know, so just just based on what you've experienced from like start to end or well start of prison life all the way out and to this point having seen everything that you've seen what would you say are some of the big ways that i guess just hollywood usually gets it wrong um i think hollywood gets it wrong and they of course it is a big drama it's 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 hollywood you know it's they make it almost like it's right in front of your face but man prison is very subtle you know you have to it's not it's the little things that'll get you beat up it's not oh uh this guy did this blatantly in front of me it's it's the little shit the little rules you don't know like walking around in your shower slides in the day room in the living area with your shower slides, you know, people jack off and do that in the shower. So you're tracking all that around the living area. Now that'll get you beat up. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? That, those, those are some of the simple things that really lead to fights and you just get having to have to fight somebody, you know, I mean, in Hollywood, they, they, they go towards like the gangs, the big stuff, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they want to show that. But even then, I feel like they have an idea, but but not really. I think kind of the old school way is what they what they kind of see. This new school way, the way it is now, is kind of different in prison. Like the rules are still the same. The rules have never changed. It's all about race still. But the new generation kind of gives us it kind of gives it its own swag. <laughs> I see. I see. You know, you, you get what I'm saying. I do. So, it's a new, re, uh, vamped up uh, version of it, I guess. You know. Uh, but I, I guess other than that, I mean, yeah, it kind of is like that. Kind of isn't. The only thing I will say is like, as far as in the system itself, um, the guards are sick of them, and the inmates are sick of the guards. Mm-hmm. So the way I've never been treated worse in my life, you know, mm-hmm. than, than by these guards. I mean, even even your family when they come to visitation, you know, um, the way guards treat you, man, it's demoralizing, mm-hmm. you know. So it, it's it's crazy. Like you you tell somebody, you know, you want to make them better, you know, but. You treat them like an animal all the time. What do you, you expect them? They're going to act like an animal if you treat them like an animal, you know? So <clears throat> there's, there's, but there's always that one, that one guard, you know, or that one person who works there, you know, like some, some person who's trying to be better, you know, or trying to help out. But they, but all the good they do gets overshadowed by all the darkness, man. 
it really is just a fucked up dark place. I wouldn't, <laughs> you know, there's like no way around it. There's no other way to just describe it. Yeah, for sure. Well, look, man, we appreciate you coming on and telling for your sure. story. Uh, it's we've we've never had you know anybody come on here and you know speak openly about something so dark, really, yeah, really. But um, really appreciate it, and uh, I hope you can you know kind of find your way into being a mentor for some people coming out and trying to acclimate back to society. And I hope, you know, that kind of eases up, you know, on your own plate, you know, cause I know you're, you're still not out of the woods yet, but I, I have a feeling you're gonna, you're gonna make it out and you're gonna make a, a difference in this world for sure. It's an amazing story. Yeah. Man. I hope so. Thank you guys for allowing me to be on your platform. You know, it's, it's awesome. You know, thank you, Isaiah. I'll see you tomorrow training. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got some. Uh, we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to test out some of these combat theories. <laughs> <laughs> Teach him some of that. Uh, that that inmate style show, boxing. Yeah, show that, me. Show me. Show me your boxing. Or, or you something. show me your boxing. I'll show you mine. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. That sounds like a bit. <laughs> oh man, I'm, I'm stepping in the deep water. I already. Know. <laughs> we appreciate it, man, and uh, we'll we'll catch up with you some other time. Take it easy, man. All right. Thank you, brothers. All right. God bless you, all, man. Peace. Later. Absolutely. Peace.